Chapter Twenty Two of the Vicar of Bullhampton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Vicar of Bullhampton by Anthony Trollope. Chapter Twenty Two What the Fenwicks Thought About It. Bullhampton, unfortunately, was at the end of the postman's walk, and as the man came all the way from Lavington, letters were seldom received much before eleven o'clock now this was a most pernicious arrangement in respect to which mr fenwick carried on a perpetual feud with the post-office authorities having put forward a great postal doctrine that letters ought to be rained from heaven on to everybody's breakfast-table exactly as the hot water is brought in for tea he being an energetic man carried on a long and angry correspondence with the authorities aforesaid but the old man from Lavington continued to toddle into the village just at eleven o'clock. It was acknowledged that ten was his time, but as he argued with himself, ten and eleven were pretty much of a muchness. The consequence of this was that Mary Lowther's letters to Mrs. Fenwick had been read by her two or three hours before she had an opportunity of speaking on the subject to her husband. At last, however, he returned, and she flew at him with a letter in her hand. "'Frank,' she said, "'Frank, what do you think has happened?' "'The Bank of England must have stopped from the look of your face. "'I wish it had with all my heart sooner than this. "'Mary has gone and engaged herself to her cousin, Walter Marrable.' "'Mary Lowther?' "'Yes, Mary Lowther, our Mary. "'And from what I remember hearing about him, he's anything but nice. "'He had a lot of money left to him the other day.' It can't have been much, because Mary owns that they will be very poor. Here was her letter. I'm so unhappy about it. Don't you remember hearing about that Colonel Marrable who was in a horrible scrape about somebody's wife? You shouldn't judge the son from the father. They've been in the army together, and they're both alike. I hate the army. They are almost always no better than they should be. That's true, my dear, certainly of all services, unless it be the army of martyrs, and there may be a doubt on the subject even as to them. May I read it? "'Oh, yes, she has been half ashamed of herself every word she has written. "'I know her so well. "'To think that Mary Lowther should have engaged herself to any man after two days' acquaintance.' "'Mr. Fenwick read the letter through attentively, and then handed it back. "'It's a good letter,' he said. "'You mean that it's well written? "'I mean that it's true. "'There are no touches put in to make effect. "'She does love the one man, and she doesn't love the other. "'All I can say is that I'm very sorry for it.' It will drive Gilmore out of the place. Do you mean it? I do indeed. I never knew a man to be at the same time so strong and so weak in such a matter. One would say that the intensity of his affection would be the best pledge of his future happiness if he were to marry the girl. But seeing that he is not to marry her, one cannot but feel that a man shouldn't stake his happiness on a thing beyond his reach. You think it is all up, then, that she really will marry this man? What else can I think? "'These things do go off sometimes. "'There can't be much money, because, you see, "'old Miss Marrable opposes the whole thing "'on account of there not being income enough. "'She is anything but rich herself, "'and is the last person of all the world "'to make a fuss about money, if it could be broken off.' "'If I understand Mary Lowther,' said Mr. Fenwick, "'she is not the woman to have her match broken off for her by any person. "'Of course I know nothing about the man, "'but if he is firm, she'll be as firm.' "'And then she has written to Mr. Gilmore,' said Mrs. Fenwick. "'It's all up with Harry as far as this goes,' said Mr. Fenwick. The vicar had another matter of moment to discuss with his wife, 
Sam Brattle, after having remained hard at work at the mill for nearly a fortnight, so hard at work as to induce his father to declare that he'd bet a guinea there wasn't a man in the three parishes who could come nigh his Sam for a right-down day's work. After all this, Sam had disappeared, had been gone for two days, and was said by the constable to have been seen at night on the devises side from whence was supposed to come the grinder, and all manner of grinder's iniquities. Up to this time, no further arrest had been made on account of Mr. Trumbull's murder, nor had any trace been found of the grinder, or of that other man who had been his companion. The leading policeman, who still had charge of the case, expressed himself as sure that the old woman at Pycroft Common knew nothing of her son's whereabouts, but he had always declared, and still continued to declare, that Sam Brattle could tell them the whole story of the murder if he pleased, and there had been a certain amount of watching kept on the young man, much to his own disgust and to that of his father. Sam had sworn aloud in the village, so much aloud, that he had shown his determination to be heard by all men, that he would go to America, and see whether any one would dare to stop him. He had been told of his bail, and had replied that he would demand to be relieved of his bail, that his bail was illegal, and that he would have it all tried in a court of law. Mr. Fenwick had heard of this, and had replied that as far as he was concerned, he was not in the least afraid. He believed that the bail was illegal, and he believed also that Sam would stay where he was, but now Sam was gone, and the Bullhampton constable was clearly of opinion that he had gone to join the grinder. "'At any rate, he's off somewhere,' said Mr. Fenwick, "'and his mother doesn't know where he's gone. "'Old Brattle, of course, won't say a word.' "'And it will hurt you?' "'Not unless they get hold of those other fellows "'and require Sam's appearance. "'I don't doubt but that he'd turn up in that case.' "'Then it does not signify. "'It signifies for him. "'I've an idea that I know where he's gone, "'and I think I shall go after him. "'Is it far, Frank?' "'Something short of Australia, luckily.' "'Oh, Frank!' "'I'll tell you the truth. It's my belief that Carrie Brattle is living about twenty miles off, and that he's gone to see his sister.' "'Carrie Brattle? Down here?' "'I don't know it, and I don't want to hear it mentioned, but I fancy it is so. At any rate, I shall go and see.' "'Poor dear bright little Carrie. But how is she living, Frank?' "'She's not one of the army of martyrs, you may be sure. I dare say she's no better than she should be. You'll tell me if you see her?' "'Oh, yes.' "'Shall I send her anything?' "'The only thing to send her is money. "'If she is in want, I'll relieve her, with a very sparing hand.' "'Will you bring her back, here?' "'Ah, who can say? "'I should tell her mother, and I suppose we should have to ask her father to receive her. "'I know what his answer will be. "'He'll refuse to see her. "'No doubt. "'Then we should have to put our heads together, "'and the chances are that the poor girl will be off in the meantime "'back to London and the devil.' It is not easy to set crooked things straight. In spite, however, of this interruption, Mary Lowther and her engagement to Captain Marrable was the subject of greatest interest at the vicarage that day and through the night. Mrs. Fenwick half expected that Gilmore would come down in the evening, but the vicar declared that his friend would be unwilling to show himself after the blow which he would have received. They knew that he would know that they had received the news, and that therefore he could not come either to tell it, or with the intention of asking questions without telling it. If he came at all, he must come like a beaten cur with his tail between his legs, and then there arose the question whether it would not be better that Mary's letter should be answered before Mr. Gilmore was seen. Mrs. Fenwick, whose fingers were itching for pen and paper, declared at last that she would write at once, and did write as follows, before she went to bed. THE VICARAGE FRIDAY Dearest Mary, 
i do not know how to answer your letter you tell me to write pleasantly and to congratulate you but how is one to do that so utterly in opposition to one's own interests and wishes oh dear oh dear how i do so wish you had stayed at bullhampton i know you will be angry with me for saying so but how can i say anything else i cannot picture you to myself going about from town to town and living in country quarters and as i never saw captain marrable to the best of my belief i cannot interest myself about him as i do about one whom i know and love and esteem i feel that this is not a nice way of writing to you and indeed i would be nice if i could of course i wish you to be full of joy of course i wish with all my heart that you may be happy if you marry your cousin but the thing has come so suddenly that we cannot bring ourselves to look upon it as a reality you should speak for yourself janet said mr fenwick when he came to this part of the letter he did not however require that the sentence should be altered you talk so much of doing what is right nobody has ever doubted that you were right both in morals and sentiment the only regret has been that such a course should be right and that the other thing should be wrong poor man we have not seen him yet nor heard from him frank says that he will take it very badly i suppose that men do always get over that kind of thing much quicker than women do many women never can get over it at all and harry gilmore though there is so little about him that seems to be soft is in this respect more like a woman than a man had he been otherwise and had only half cared for you and asked you to be his wife as though your taking him were a thing he didn't much care about and were quite a matter of course i believe you would have been up at hampton privets at this moment instead of going soldiering with a captain frank bids me send you his kindest love and his best wishes for your happiness those are his very words and they seem to be kinder than mine of course you have my love and my best wishes but i do not know how to write as though i could rejoice with you your husband will always be dear to us whoever he may be if he be good to you at present i feel very very angry with captain marrable as though i wish he had had his head blown off in battle however if he is to be the happy man i will open my heart to him that is if he be good i know this is not nice but i cannot make it nicer now god bless you dearest mary ever your most affectionate friend janet fenwick the letter was not posted till the hour for dispatch on the following day but up to that hour nothing had been seen at the vicarage of mr gilmore End of chapter twenty two